this is the last day of our group practice in terms of um, meditation and sitting, not doing very much. Mostly internal emphasis on that. No, naturally, what mind can do when we come to things like last day, or we see a shift in the in the calendar coming up, is to jump into the future and start preparing for it. I'd be cautious about that. Um, probably much more useful to, if we want to consider this the last day, which in some ways it is, like a harvest, just really gathering and cleaning and winnowing and, and polishing and uh, lingering in what's been good, skillful. And so this is much more the uh, uh, approach that the Buddha um, encouraged in terms of awakening is to bring up the skillful, recollect it, uh, get a feeling for it, notice what the mind was doing with that, how it was in that state, you know, linger in it till it begins to you bring attention and awareness into a mental state, it begins to amplify, and you get a sense of feeling uplifted and fulfilled more in the present by the quality of that mind state. So it's not searching for something in the future to feel completed by or fulfilled by or however we frame it, but really feeling more fulfilled in the present. Because actually this is the only place we're ever going to feel fulfilled, (laughs) obviously enough. Although the mental habit is very strong to, you know, get on to the next bit. So Pomoja, Pomoja gladness. This is to do with uh, moderating one's jetana volitional tendencies, which uh, often in our worldly training, our worldly uh, conditioning, intention is always to move forward. The next thing, chitana, volitional quality, uh, to complete or to add to. There's a certain uh, ragged and uh, impetuous uh, quality to that that surges and rushes through the nervous system. And you know, the thinking mind starts scurrying and we feel perhaps tension in the body, or we don't even feel the body very much at all. We're speeding up, speeding. Or we come to places we feel uh, desperate, or unhappy, or stuck, think we have big obstacles, or life can bring us with more difficulties, imagine the difficulties we're going to be coming up against as we come from this period into something else. I think it's kind of stuck wheel spin state and it's not going forward but it's not steady it's just spinning and not settling encouragement uh, is uh, for pomoja gladdening and then the mind being made uh, quiet and stilled settled mm. samadhyati composed, collected brought to singleness Ikodibawa, 
singleness in terms of intention. So it's not this, that, this, that, this, that, rushing into four different directions, backwards and forwards and planning, but just steady, single quality of intention. It's just steadying, fulfilling, lingering, deepening. And this way we, we store up. So apart from just any, any other benefits, we can recognize the quality of a collected storing up mind, storing up, bringing up the goodness and then storing it, lingering it, harvesting it, soaking it up, jhana, to soak up, to absorb in it, is that you build up some, you charge your batteries or you build up some fat to take you through the leaner periods when you've got to do more stuff that's taking you out. And this should never be neglected because there's always going to be more things to do on a conditioned level. So really to use this time to to, uh, store, charge. Like a solar panel, you put it in the sun and you let it charge up your power packs. (laughs) And if you cultivate like this, it's it's, uh, uh, very regenerative. Your body feels more comfortable. The tensions and the stressing subside. And then you recognize a lot of the mental planning we do and habits we do are based upon stress, feeling stress. Therefore, one starts getting agitated to figure out how to way to get out of it so things will be okay in the future. But that, <laughs> that, that is stress. You can't use stress to get out of stress. But if you cultivate the... Uh, qualities of non-stressing, then the stressful topics tend to subside. Think, oh, well, we'll see what happens when that comes up and be possible that and uh, just right now we're here. So we're looking very directly. This is a discipline. The world of concepts and virtual realities has got a huge uh, grip on our minds because that's the way that the world works, that's the way we work. So, again, to translate the virtual realities of places and people and events into this is agitation right now. Mm. And have uh, some confidence that if you do. store and restore and and freshen up the mind, it will be in the best state it can be to deal with what arises. And if you cultivate fully, and then you store up your your reserves in terms of energy, you store up your reserves in terms of know-how, put some effort, some time into carefully studying uh, training rules, precepts, protocols, chanting, so you're ready, you've got your kit, both in terms of your personal resources and also the kind of resources you need for community life. And you keep brushing, cleaning, polishing those as a, as a duty. Just like we tidy the monastery or bathe our bodies, 
we rehearse our samana dhammas or our duties as a part of practice so that they become established you know what to do you know it's pretty much you've got you've got the uh, the tools how to look after each other how to conduct business how to you know find yourself feeling in disagreement and not getting forceful and angry about it we're just okay we're not in agreement right now mm. let's just pause and right see how we can find a way through this rather than how I can beat you down <laughs> or just shut you off you know <laughs> but, uh, so there's a lot of uh, time to the ideas to use these times so you're doing meditation on breathing or whatever your meditation topic is also times when we just rehearse our chanting revise those qualities those things so that you're really feeling you've got the uh, the skills there that's necessary or your duties as a you know a guest monk or a work nun or something you know these are the pieces that are just in place and uh, and certainly as we go from this the primary uh, thing to, to revise and rehearse is just on relationships with other, with other members of the community are we on the same wavelength is there misunderstanding is there places that people are not getting not picking up careless or forgetful about their duties and how does one bring that across and reminding each other because it's it's that's the way it goes, you know, the mind drops things. But during this time, it's, um, everything really is hinges around attention, add intention and contact, intention, volitional quality, the urge, the, the impulse, the, the, and chetana, and attention, manasikara, the, the focusing, that which holds something in a focus, contact, that which which you get the immediate hit, what things mean to you, what things mean in a felt sense. This means desirable, this means fearful, this means pointless, this means um, urgent, you know, those triggers. And then intention, attention, this is really where your mind rests, chitta rests, held in those three. So now, Dhamma meditation practice, the aim is to rehearse and revise those three. So first of all, contact. You make contact with skillful mental states. So we might recognize during our uh, practice over, we've been together for at least three months, all of us, at least some of us much more than that. We might take three months and recollecting, you all put effort in, you've all done skillful things, we've all done something skillful, worthy, fruitful, friendly, attentive, recollect the quality of that. Yeah. You know, how the mind was when it was not, when it was capable, pliable, warm, attentive, able to do, you know, not mesmerized, not preoccupied, but 
available, that was that. And whatever, it, whenever it was, but just noticing there was that. Uh, and just picking up that quality to sign of the skillful. One was able to let go of a few things. Good. We've all done that, I'm sure. Hmm. How would that feel? And that free openness that comes when you let go, drop something. I'm sure we've all been able and capable of picking up something. Okay, let's get on with it. I'll do this. Perhaps I didn't even particularly want to do it, but I did. Change my mind, okay. That's what I was asked, I'll do that. That helpful, bright quality. Sometimes we were patient. Just bear with something. That impulse to react, faint, fight, flight, fudge. And the patient, you feel that, you know, the impatience running over you, pushing you, prickling you, you just bear with it. So instead of uh, whatever whatever triggered those qualities, just noticing that um, one's mind making contact with when it skillful volition arose. And it was skillful. Why was it skillful? Well, the energy of it was probably steady, collected. You were fully with it. It was harmonious. It wasn't conflicting with your bodily state or your heart state. It wasn't causing conflict with others. It was non-conflicting. And it carried signs of clarity, warmth, generosity, perseverance. So you're able to contemplate intention both in terms of its its energy, whether it's speedy or steady, whether it's composed or dithering, ragged, and whether it's going to skillful places for yourself and for the welfare of others. It's always helpful that even if the other is a, is a tree or a frog, you know, one was not dismissing it or squashing it or just... Or towards one's requisites, one was not careless, one was careful, kept them tidy, clean, appropriately held. So there's a certain joy one can get in skillful uh, intention, skillful volition. And that's the idea of it. Attention. What ones of different kinds of attention? The attention when your attention is grabbed, which you don't want. Because when attention is grabbed, it already has uh, hypnotized, compulsive tanha in it, some kind or another. But when attention is not grabbed but deliberately turned, so you're in charge of it, you turn your attention to this, you turn your attention to the task in mind, 
And this is correct attention. One can deliberate and consider in that way. And this is this kind of attention, proper attention, Sikara, systematic intention, careful attention, attention that um, it brings up whole, whole states, wholesome states. And so whether we're making robes, sweeping the, sweeping the path, cooking the food, the wholesome, just attention. And it's easy for, to get attention grabbed because you've done this, you've got a plan, you've done this every day so you know what you're doing or you've got to get it done by six or seven or whatever and then just linger, pause, stop. Because in that, in that grab, you're grabbed and uh, that, that cannot be helpful in what we're doing. It doesn't take that long to change it. You know, probably sometimes 10 seconds. Just to stop, recollect what you're doing, how you're doing it, where your mind's at, are you grounded, are you steady? Okay. And then you determine to attend. And in that process, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, you kind of shake off the unskillful factors of worry, resistance, um, irritation, or compulsive uh, urgency, and just cultivate skillful attention, holds things, so you're not this narrow-minded, peering down a microscope kind of attention, but attention is able to flex, to take in the bigger picture, to deliberate, to reflect, to question, how's this? This is the only Somni Sikara. Uh, contact, you make contact with what's bright uh, in your heart. And so these are factors that you know, lead into uh, meditation and should be sustained in meditation. And then they sustained and refreshed strengthen, then they can lead out of meditation into, into one's other activities. So this is the way that one finds a kind of harmonious lifestyle. And that harmony then acts as a definite sign that you can acknowledge, because something's disturbing it now. Something I'm either skipping over, or not noticing, or bothered by, irritated by what's happening. And a sign of harmony is something one can get a sense of in the heart. And this is the... See, before we really start focusing on, on anything else, is to get these qualities present. So in the, in the Buddha's awakening, he said, you know, when I had done this recollections and tuning myself, then the mind was quiet and settled, brought to singularity, samadhi concentrated or composed, then I directed it towards, you know, whatever your meditation object is. And in the jhana, 
whereby the quality of the meditation object becomes a sole preoccupation and still keeping those factors of careful attention, deliberation, vitapa vichara, and the qualities of piti and sukha, that's a sense of uplifted energy, happy uplifted energy and collected, contented ease. These are the factors that the Buddha mentioned. This is uh, so. This first, these are the factors of jhana. First jhana, and of course, this this particular area uh, has been reviewed. People have things like commentaries talk about kanika, which is momentary access and absorption. And maybe, maybe these are just different ways of how long the tendency to linger is. But I would think that. Uh, certainly, what they call access or the sense of really having that, those qualities as a pretty available footing, whether you go deeper or just stay at that level, what they call the access, just to start considering and reviewing is always a good uh, base, a good foundation to review one's ways of thinking and attitudes and plans and so forth because you're kind of contemplating looking through a a window at it you're not really in it but at the same time you're not away from it you're just sort of looking at it through a window or there it is it's no longer got the gripping pull it doesn't grab your attention you can deliberately turn your attention and you can sort of start to review and restructure uh, or get let go of irrelevant structures and memories and ambitions and so forth, grudges and disappointments. And lingering in that. When you have a chance to, just to linger in that. I always, personally, I always find that um, in due time, breathing is a very helpful um, topic for meditation, for this kind of process, because itself, uh, it's not just your your mind doing stuff, but the body itself begins to offer its own uh, steady, rhythmic, uh, warm, easeful qualities, which is the natural body breathing naturally. See, it's not just no longer just purely based upon mental state, but also based upon a bodily state. So you get a double helping, and the bodily state really boosts and amplifies and gives a firmer uh, foundation to to the to what might be otherwise just the mind state. So the big two begin to merge. So when we contemplate breathing, or we're with that, the flow the energy of it so it also has a certain chetana you could say it's not a mental volition perhaps volition isn't quite the right word but it's a sankara kaya sankara bodily conditioning bodily formation it certainly gives you the impression of the body it runs through the body so it can be ragged uh, jagged broken uh, uh, stuck just like the mind can. 
and you smooth that out, then the quality of the energetic quality of the chitana becomes apparent, and you get a sense of a bright, steady energy, and then just lingering and widening your attention so it can fulfill your entire body. This is the way the, the Buddha described it. And this he never actually mentions any particular point to focus on in in the breathing, but, the, but certainly to move towards thoroughly sensitive to the entire body and then steadying the bodily energy, bodily formation as a process. So though one-pointed ekagata is is, often, is referred to in many cases, actually this is somewhat, uh, um, it's not, Buddha doesn't actually use that term to, with reference to mindfulness of breathing. So it's certainly not one point in terms of physical point, it could be terms of one pointed in terms of only having one intention in mind. Yeah. But it's not a pinpoint thing. It's a matter of the mind is only one source of occupation. It's in one place with one intention. To steady and to uh, dwell in and to learn from. So uh, often a meditator uh, can have the default attitude that they're there to, 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 to meditate and to try to work through their difficulties and arrive at a better state. And this is reasonable enough, but actually the process is where, whereby the meditator begins to recognize they're also here to learn, not just to determine and decide what's going to happen, but to receive and maybe let the breathing, let the body work itself out. So there's a certain sense of, you know, bringing the receptive into it. It's rather like our attitudes towards nature. Very often we like to create gardens and prune things and tidy things and spray things to make them better. Or naturally, over time, you recognise the best thing is to do as little as possible <laughs> to it, because nature has got its own wisdom, its own way of doing things, and maybe we should learn from that and change our expectations of what we expect nature to look like. Perhaps it's supposed to look rather, you know, not like a neatly manicured, tidied up piece of decoration, but something that's alive and uh, motley and diverse, but lively. And rather like this, our breathing is also has different rhythms and patterns in it. And if you just think of it just as a single column of air, that's much too bland. It's not like that's more like a stream of many subtle flexions and currents and warps and shifts. And you can go into any of those, but essentially just hold the whole stream and it begins to settle into a stillness that at the same time is moving. It's like a, a, a fluid structure fluid structure mm. because it's it's always it's there, it's repeating, it's holding you up and yet it's not 
rigid. And this is just a very uh, happy or comfortable uh, bodily experience. The, the mind when the body is happy and comfortable, the mind readily goes into it. And that was the Buddha's recipe for samadhi. You get the good mental state, you know, notice the, what your intention was like. It was open, it was clear, it was unbiased, it was not pushing, it was not reluctant. Energy was steady. Okay, now with that, get your mental attitudes and intentions to, you know, linger in those properties. And then you can apply that to your meditation practice, to your meditation object, and also let the meditation object speak to you, like, no, you're going too fast. No, I'm not, I'm not a clock, I'm a, I'm a breath. <laughs> I don't go one, two, one, two, I just, you know, some of it's long, some of it's shorter. You know, learn from it. And then that, the mind that's able to learn is a happy mind. A mind that's uh, got a receptive quality to it. So we should always be someone who hasn't got all the answers, doesn't have it all sorted out, doesn't have a fixed system, but always willing to learn. And this is a great way, to, in fact, to, to live. with certain fundamental standards of intention, attention, but we're open to learning. If we, if we, don't, if we think we know it all already, you know... <laughs> I don't know where that's going to go. But then if your bodily ease is established, it, it changes the way you walk, changes your appetites, got certain reflexive aspects that are not just mental, they're, they're almost physiological reflexes, jump reflexes, gobble ref reflexes, whereby you just hurry into things and you, you snatch at things and you gobble things up, or you can't get going on anything, you're always dithering, these kind of almost, you know, reflexes that are built in, or you, you, you harden up, or forceful. And they're not just, they're, they're almost pre-psychological, the way we're wired. But these can change. But they don't change just through mental attention alone, they change through embodiment. We begin to, almost like certain nerves and certain channels of energy begin to open up where you can do things. Actually more, oh... Like the whole system opens up, and you get you, you, can, you find you've got a different basis in your your body has changed. Not the outer body, but the inner body. And this inner body become can become very um, uh, just like the mind. It's described as flexible, pliable. Um, light, fit, 
it's light. You walk light. Mm. As if the energies in the body, which we barely even noticed, uh, in worldly conditioning they get very uh, compacted because of the pressure and the urgencies. And you get certain areas go numb. You get a lot of intensity in the shoulders, in the chest, in the head, and other places kind of numb out or don't feel anything at all. So you, you build up these blocks, and now, so, and that kind of traps one's impression of what the body is. So naturally, we want to get out of it into our ideas and thoughts and plans because it's not a comfortable place to be. If you make the body comfortable, so it's all of one quality. You contemplate the property, the elements of the body, and they're even. So your chest feels like your back. It's as much there. Your back is as much there as your chest is, or your front is. The lower back is as much present as the shoulders. It's not just... You get so used to having an uneven body. But the um, body that is most beneficial arrives through meditation is more like a uh, almost spherical. You can't really describe it. It has no fixed form. But its its substance is light. Light. And so, you know, this really cultivate the senses themselves, the sense input itself tends to impact the body to the skin surfaces or the sense doors so they get highly activated the energy collects around these you get nodules and clogs around the sense doors that intensify and other parts you don't feel at all and so just imagine where if we're dying how are we going to get out of that if we blocked up all the passages with these heavy clogged energies but if the body becomes light, like mist, mind can slip out. As the mist changes and fades, you can just slip out, which is what, of course, the Buddha did. Even though his body, in some ways, was in miserable condition. He was able to, through his miserable, sick, you know, colic or dysentery or whatever he had, you know, slip out into these... Uh, bright mental states, we could describe jhanas, and you could just do that, because there's no, nothing holding him back in the body, not just as a mental attitude. When you come to your deathbed, it's, your attitudes aren't going to be that helpful. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to uh, build the body you want to die with. <laughs> and it, takes, it takes a lifetime, or it can take a lifetime to build the body you want to die with. And you can change it. But if you don't, you'll get the body the world decides what it's going to be like. It'll be a body created by the world. With all that pressure and intensity and tightness and you know, slackness. Won't be energized. And that's what the so you you know, you either create your own or the world will create it for you. And it's the same with your mind. If you don't create your own mental aramana, 
that's the Aramana becomes the Arama, you're abiding. If you don't do it, the world will do it for you. Absolutely. So, and where does that go? You know, goes basically between the bank and the shops, doesn't it? That kind of thing. And the, so, what happens when they close down, you know? When you're not... What happens when the future goes? There's no future. When the senses fade out. It's really important to uh, use the time to uh, enter this domain while we have a precious opportunity to do so. Because the world breathes on your neck like a wild animal, just very happy to, to grab you and you almost ask for it. Something in us almost asks for it. We don't think we're asking for it. We get so mesmerized by the pull of it and the misery of it and the pressure of it and the urgency of it and the delight of it. This is as a way out of that in this very body and mind. So, you know, and it begins just by acknowledging we're not stupid, we're not depraved. There is a, we all do good and attune and determine and linger in those states and make much of them and notice when one has lost that, what took you out of that what caught you, what, ah, there's there's your trap, unplug it. This is a good way to to, uh, cultivate regular um, meditation that's both happy in itself, or comfortable in itself, and also, you know, working out conditions, worldly conditions, conditions you want to live by. So we have another day or so to... uh, remind ourselves and boost up our reserves in this so that we can go onwards with more purpose and confidence.